everything. <laughs> everything. I'm Tavis Smiley. That's Tina Turner, as you well know. We've been playing Tina all three hours of today's program, giving her her passing yesterday at the age of 83. Um, and uh, what a life, what a legacy, what an artistic genius she was. Uh, the queen of rock and roll has been silenced, but her music uh, will live, of course, forever. And it's been our great joy, our great delight uh, to play the best, some of the best. Hard to squeeze all those hits in into three hours uh, going in and out of segments. But um, we've enjoyed the opportunity to play her music uh, today. What a great show it's been. And uh, uh, we are finally at the point now I've been waiting on for months. Uh, actually, for a, a good part of my life, I've been waiting for this conversation. And I'm so delighted to have these two sisters join us in studio in this hour. The curators of the much-talked-about Jean-Michel Basquiat exhibit King Pleasure now showing at the Grand L.A. here in L.A. Uh, the two curators just happen to be the two sisters of, of Basquiat. Uh, Lassane Basquiat and uh, Janine Aravaux, they both join us live in studio right now. Uh, Janine, I am delighted to welcome you to KBLA Talk 1580. How are you today? I am fabulous. Thank you so much. Let me turn that mic. Get you on that mic just a little bit more here. There we go. Say that again. Now. I am fabulous. Thank you so much for having us here. Now you sound as fabulous as you look. Oh, that's how we want that. Lizanne, <laughs> <laughs> how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Tavis. It is so uh, so such an honor to have uh, the sisters of, of Basquiat grace, and I mean that sincerely, mm -hmm. grace this studio. So thank you. Uh, for coming in to see us. We were just playing Tina Turner. Uh, what's love got to do with it? So let me ask you, uh, Lassam, first, what, what's love got to do with it? Love has everything to do with everything, yeah. including uh, the work that Shanine and I are doing uh, mm. to support Jean-Michel yeah. and to support the incredible and profound impact that he's had on the world. But mm. love has everything to do with everything. Yeah. Yeah. You? Same. Um, yeah. You know, it was love that, in you know, is was the reason why we did this project. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make sure that the audience felt that love and felt that emotional connection that we had with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's start big. We'll work our way through this hour and get let's to the exhibit. Uh, but uh, it's not often that you get the two sisters of Basquiat in your studio. So I'm going to take full advantage of this opportunity. Trust <laughs> and believe. Um, I don't need to color this question much more. Janine, um, you first. Tell me, tell me about your brother. Sean Michel is... Larger than life. Mm -hmm. um, he was one that was very present, present in conversations with you. He was one that gave you his um, uh, connection. He had a, such a strong connection, and he gave you his one-on-one -on -one, you know, time and attention. Mm -hmm. He was very generous with his time, with his spirit, with, with everything, but also creative quite a prankster um got us in a lot of mischief a lot of tomfoolery and shenanigans as we said yesterday yeah um but um but a delight to be around but you know as much as he had so much to say he was also very soft-spoken mm -hmm. and quiet at times and so you know he had to kind of navigate in this world um with both of those you know kind of dynamics and and personalities so yeah. Yeah. because sisters um have different relationships with brothers mm -hmm. um tell me about your brother as you knew him and saw him everything janine said yeah. and Jean-Michel. He's he was just brilliant and really connected to the world and connected to the things that people see beneath the surface. You know, he really he had a view 
that uh, was beneath the surface of what was going on. He was able to see things that people just took at face value and to put uh, an emphasis on the parts of that that were uh, that required a different view. Mm-hmm. You know, he looked at things like classism and racism and capitalism and colonialism and really showed where human beings needed to look at themselves. He was like a mirror for mm-hmm. the world. And he was like that both professionally through his creativity and his uh, painting and, and other things, but he was like that in life as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a, sh- a straight shooter, very direct communicator. You always knew where you stood with him. And he was authentic. He was really authentic in everything that he did. Yeah. And I really appreciated that about him as a human being. This answer may be different for the two of you, so you can just chime in and tell me. But when when did you know, either of you, both of you, know, sense this artistic genius that was, that would eventually be seen and witnessed by the world? Mm. Any, were you inside of that early? Like, when did you, when did you know that he was gifted artistically? I don't think, for me, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there was a seven-year age difference mm-hmm. between uh, Jean Michel and I. And so, for me, it came a lot later. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier, there, you know, he was definitely a different child in terms of how he played and how creative he was when he played. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, you know, let's just play jacks. It was, you know, let's go bake something mm-hmm. and use this to do that. Um, so, he thought very differently from you know most kids uh in terms of the artistic part mm-hmm. he was doodling all the time and he was doing you know drawing sketches and stuff but the painting and stuff came much later and it mm-hmm. wasn't until then that i said oh wow you know he's really doing what he wants to do and um you know and, and bringing that out to a larger audience mm-hmm. so what did, what did you see early on for me, I don't know about early on because he wasn't, you yeah. know, I often tell people it's not, not like he was walking around the house yeah. with like a beret and a palette and like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> painting. But, but, but you, saw yeah. those, you saw those doodles too, though. You saw yeah, the doodles. For sure, for okay, sure. Okay, okay. I mean, we always, I always knew that Jean-Michel was incredibly creative because he lived creativity. Like Janine mm-hmm. said, everything he did. I mean, this dude like made... Uh, uh, moonshine in his closet <laughs> in his bedroom he's like come in here let me show you what i did i'm like what and he's like look at this i'm like what that what is that and he's yeah. like it's moonshine first of all what the heck is that and second of all how do you like have something fermenting in your closet for yeah. months i don't get it um but i think for me i knew that jean-michel was up to something really profound um when i went to the opening the anina nose opening And it was really less about him, but seeing the looks on the faces of people Mm. who were looking at his work and seeing how connected they were and how energized they seemed to be by his, the expression of his creativity. I think it was really that. And then over time, just seeing how that impact just expanded. I remember... Uh, and this wasn't specifically about the work, it was more about his voice, where I called a utility company for something and I gave them my name and it was kind of random and this was someone who was like in Texas or something and I gave them my name and he's like, oh, oh, are you familiar with this, you know, famous artist, you know, Jean-Michel Bastien? And I'm like, well, yeah, it was my brother. But it re- that really blew my mind, you know, so it wasn't about the, the work, it was uh-huh. more about the way that he his voice permeated to like all corners of the world that yeah. really kind of was kind of mind blowing yeah. and surreal. 
I, I assume you uh, you're not you're not shocked or mind blown these days. No, sir. Okay. <laughs> no, sir. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. They say in unison. I love yeah. it. Yeah, uh, but still in awe. <laughs> yeah. Still humble. Oh yeah. And incredibly in awe of the the impact that he has on generations of creatives in all walks of life. I take that distinction. Uh, and when we come forward, we'll talk about that. Uh, okay. We are joined in studio uh, live today uh, by the sisters of, of Jean-Michel Basquiat, Lisanne Basquiat and uh, Janine Ayervo. Um King Pleasure, uh, the uh, Basquiat exhibit is now uh, showing here in L.A. at the Grand L.A. We'll talk about the exhibit and how they pulled this together and the response to it and so much more when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Playing some of the best of Tina Turner all three hours of our program today as we have now arrived in the last hour. Uh, and the last hour is the best hour because the sisters of Jean-Michel Basquiat join us live in the studio right now. Uh, Lassane Basquiat and Janine uh, Erevo. Uh, are we, is that better? Is that better that time? Janine. Uh, Janine. Janine. There you go, yeah. Janine. Janine. <laughs> Janine. Yes. Isn't that better? It is. It sounds sexier. See? Janine. Thank you. Yeah, like and then you have to move your arms when yeah. you're doing it. Again. Janine. I like it. It, it, it feels better. Like Janine. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to stop that because Janine's husband is filming me right now. <laughs> I just realized he's her husband like, is. He's like, do one more of those. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I saw him in the. In the <laughs> Uh, for those uh, who are not watching on live stream to see the the, the, the Basquiat sisters uh, uh, in, in our studio, there's a glass between my studio, the main studio, and the control room, and uh, Janine's husband uh, is in the, in the control room <laughs> looking at me through the glass. And I know he's thinking, Negro, you're getting way too happy with that. You're getting a little... It's like you, that you, was seven you, times. Yeah, you do, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. <laughs> uh, I, I apologize, good sir. <laughs> I meant I meant nothing about it. Listen, just, he calls me Jay, so yeah. he might start thinking about okay. calling me Janine. I don't oh, know. I got it. I got it. <laughs> well, I won't be that common. I won't start calling her Jay. Mm. Although that's easier to pronounce than anything else yeah, we've right, done right, so right. far. I digress. As a matter of fact, when your sister was last on, Lassan was on, we we had a conversation, and I said, just take a moment, and I'll do, I'm going to do it again right now, um, because I know that people mispronounce that last name. Mm. All the time. That's right. We did and that. it's important if you're going to talk about an artist of this ilk, an artist of this Im, uh, I importance uh, and of this stature that you pronounce the, the last name correctly. So for those who didn't hear, uh, Lassam, when she was on before, uh, do it again. Basquiat. Basquiat. It's like B-A-S-K-E-E-A. -E -E do not pronounce the T. Just Basquiat. There you go. Yeah. So for all of you who uh, have been mispronouncing. <laughs> <laughs> all our lives. A whole lot of people are there. Oh, sure. like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so now we all know how to pronounce uh, the last name correctly. Um, so let, let me do this. Um, tell me about your parents. Uh, it's mm. impossible uh, to have two sisters here as we celebrate their brother and his, and his artistic genius. Um, to not... Talk about the parents uh, who made all this possible. So exactly. tell me about your mom and daddy, Neil, as okay. we say. Um, so our mother was um, born and raised in Brooklyn, Bushwick, Brooklyn, Puerto Rican. Bushwick. And, um, yeah. and uh, she uh, pretty much lived in the house that she grew up in for a majority of years until she passed. Um, and she met my dad. My dad came over here from Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, as under 20, uh, they met and fell in love. They met at Palladium, but the Palladium nightclub that was uptown. Mm -hmm. And they shared the mutual language of Spanish. Mm 
So that's how they were able to communicate between mm-hmm. Spanish and dance. Nice combination. Mm-hmm. Very and nice. uh, she taught him English. And uh, they decided they wanted to start the American dream, get married, have three kids. Um, my dad pushed a garment uh, rack mm-hmm. in the... Um, in the you know garment, garment district, district yeah sure um as he worked his way towards earning his degree um his um cpa degree so um it, it's interesting because it's it's that um influence that is the reason why he was so hesitant in terms of jean michel mm-hmm. you know kind of pursuing a dream that was so different than the norm he knew how much he um, struggled mm-hmm. in order to, you know, get to where he was. And so to say, hey, you know, I want to be an artist, very difficult for yeah. him to kind of accept the life that was could have been possible for Jean-Michel yeah. if it didn't go the way that it eventually yeah. did. The, the, the flip side of that story, uh, Lisan, as I hear it, though, is that it it makes the entire family not strangers to hard work. Mm. Oh, that's right. That's and, right. And if, if your father is pushing garment racks in the <clears throat> garment district mm-hmm. while he's working to get his CPA, then hard work cannot be formed to any of y'all. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Jean-Michel, uh, and this is a, a public story, where mm-hmm. he said, I'm going to be famous mm-hmm. one day. And in the exhibition in the 1960 gallery, which is the first one, mm-hmm. there's a uh, an address book that our dad had that he, ha- that he had from the time that he was in school mm-hmm. where he wrote, I'm going to be an American businessman. And that's what he did. Mm-hmm. So I think we're uh, no stranger to hard work for sure. Mm-hmm. And also no stranger to being clear about what we want yeah. and then figuring out how to get to that place and make that happen. What, what have you, what, what, that's, okay, let me, okay, this is getting rich now. Okay. Um, what has that taught you? What does that say to you? Lisan? since you raised it, we'll start mm-hmm. with you. What, what's that said to you um, over the years about the notion of manifestation Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who are biblical scholars, uh, you know the verse that says we uh, can call things that are not as That's though right. they were. Calling right. things that are not as though they were. Uh, but I hear your father manifesting. I hear your brother manifesting. What have you learned then about manifestation, calling things that are not into our lives as though they already existed? I live manifestation mm-hmm. every day, and I'm really clear on a daily basis about how I want my day to go and also about the bigger goals that I have. I think that it is so important for so many of us who are dreaming things to be clear about what you want. I think we are much more comfortable talking about what we don't want and what Mm. we don't like than we are speaking about what our vision actually is for relationships, for projects and other things. I feel so blessed and Uh, appreciative for being part of a family of people who are no strangers to hard work, who are really clear about what we want, and who are also willing to humble ourselves to do the work and to learn how to get that thing done. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes you can, like Jean-Michel, he was this incredible creative talent. Had he 
not been also willing to tap into the other side of his brain mm -hmm. and learn the business of art and understand who the players were and figure out how to get himself around those people who could help him to further his career, he may not be the Jean-Michel Basquiat that we are all very familiar with today. Mm -hmm. And I really credit my our parents, both of them, Gerard and Matilda, for showing us that what you want is possible. Yeah. I love uh, I love when you when you say their names, Gerard and Matilda. Yeah. Um, say their names. It's, it's vitally important to That's keep right. those memories and legacies alive. Um, today, as you probably know, is the third anniversary of the murder of George Floyd, and so we spent our first hour today just reflecting on what has and has not transpired. <clears throat> excuse me, in three years since his murder at the hands of those Minneapolis uh, police officers, and so we uh, we're running a promo all day long today. Mm -hmm. uh, and the promo simply says, say his name, mm, say yes. his name. And so for you to call the names of your parents, uh, Gerard and Matilda, uh, just kind of hit me in that way, given what we are advancing this day uh, about saying names. You going to say something? I, yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, what's interesting is not long after today, three years ago, we started talking about putting on this exhibition back in 2017. Mm -hmm. And we started walking down that road and realized that it wasn't the right time for us personally or professionally mm -hmm. because for us it was really important that we executive produced this project and that it was our voice, our vision that went into what we were going to manifest. So in 2017, we kind of laid it to the side and put it on a shelf for a little bit. Maybe a couple of weeks after, <clears throat> excuse me, this date, the 25th, mm -hmm. uh, back in um 2020, uh, 2020, 2020 yeah. Janine called me and she's like, with all this crazy stuff going on, I think this is the time. Let's mm -hmm. do it. Like, we're ready. Like, are you ready? Are we ready to do this? And and it wasn't that long after this day and everything that was going on because we knew that and wanted Shamichelle's voice that unfortunately was still so relevant. Sure. Uh, we really wanted his voice as part of the story, as a way to give people hope and inspiration and also the confidence to remember that we wear a crown yeah you so know? since janine is here she can tell me That's directly right. out of her own mouth what i got two minutes before news traffic and sports will start this and continue on the, other, on the other side but what were you feeling what were you experiencing in those days after the murder of george floyd and all the uh, the the protest and the light that were that, that were that were taking place what was it about that that connected to you to say this time is is the moment where we need mm. to get this project moving. Anger, yeah. frustration, yeah. Um, the gall mm -hmm. that, you know, you're being videotaped by many and to have such um, arrogance mm -hmm. that you can, you know, have your, your, your knee on someone's neck and that be okay with you. Um, this this man is calling out to his mother. Mm. His dead mother. His, his dead mother. Yeah. Um, just, you know, angered a lot of us mm -hmm. and um it actually brought me back to michael stewart and so many other people um before him and as we know throughout that whole summer there were many after as well mm -hmm. um and particularly at a time when you know this was in the middle of the pandemic and the shutdown where people should have been reflecting more it seems as though it kind of brought it it exposed a lot of what was wrong with um you know the injustices of what was going on to yeah. um you know 
just regular people and those that are disenfranchised. Let me jump ahead. This is an unfair question to ask with a minute to go. Again, we got more time on the other side. What do you think your brother's artwork, his his particular genius, says to us visually in turbulent times like these? I think not only does he paint the picture, but he has all those words. So it's very clear mm -hmm. as to what he is describing and what he is painting. Um, there is no question as to what he's talking about. Yeah. Brilliant answer. Thank you. And nicely done. Right on time. Um, <laughs> she, she listens you well. You should do this. She, yeah, you, no, she should do Yeah, yeah, yeah. Janine, you should do this. But but not in my seat. <laughs> not, not in my chair. <laughs> I'll share it with you, but I ain't going to relinquish it to you. The so sisters right. of Jean-Michel Basquiat are in studio. Lassane Basquiat, Janine, Aravoa here. We'll continue after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580. It's... So little time. That's what my friend Prince used to always say when he'd take the stage. He used to love back in the day. Prince would be on stage and he'd be happy through the show and ask the audience, what What should I do next? What should I do next? And tens of thousands of folk would start screaming out Prince songs. And he would let them go for a minute and he would always say, hmm, so many hits, so little time. <laughs> and Tina Turner is the same way. So many hits so little time we've done the best we could in this uh, three-hour program today to weave in some of the best of tina turner as we celebrate her life and legacy uh, her brilliance um given that she passed away yesterday in switzerland at the age of uh 83 we are pleased in this hour to be talking about king pleasure the jean michel john jean michel basquiat exhibit uh now showing at the grand la here in la uh running through the summer uh, and if you have not seen it, uh, rush and get there uh, because you don't want to miss seeing um, uh, this brilliance. And uh, we are honored in this hour to have his two sisters, uh, Lassan Basquiat and Janine Aravo, uh, with us. Uh, is that Danielle at that good. time? Getting I'm getting better. good, man. I'm yeah. getting good. Uh, by the time this is over with, I'll be. <laughs> I'll be there, I'll, yeah, I'll be proficient at, at this. Uh, that Haitian thing ain't no joke. You got to get it right. You got to get it right. Absolutely. Anyway, we are honored to have uh, his two sisters uh, in studio with us in this hour. We were talking in the, during the break, and I, I say all the time on this show that sometimes the best parts of the program are in the breaks, and so mm -hmm. I try I try not to let that happen, so you don't have to sort of reprise that when you get on the air. But I was saying to uh, to uh, uh, during the break. Uh, that uh, years ago, I helped curate a huge exhibition, uh, many will remember it, called America, I Am, the African-American Imprint. It toured around the country for four years, showed here in L.A. for a number uh, of months. But it toured the nation. Uh, Walmart was the title sponsor. And I worked with a, a great team to curate all of these items, about 400 artifacts um, that really told the story of the black contribution to America. The exhibit was built around that Du Boisian um, notion that Du Boisian question of would America have been America without her Negro people? Hmm. Would America have been America without her Negro people? So we built this huge exhibit uh, around that theme. We had artifacts. I mean, everything from the, the the doors of no return, literally that was shipped here from Africa to travel as part of this exhibit, to items from Harriet Tubman to Rosa Parks to Michael Jackson to uh guy bluford uh, uh i mean you name it everything was frederick Douglass. we had a copy mm -hmm. of the constitution and the declaration in the exhibit it's a huge exhibit that traveled for four years i only raised that because i learned uh in curating this exhibit the value of people just keeping stuff 
the value of our people keeping stuff. And Lissam, when you mentioned your father earlier and that edict that he wrote to himself, that I will be an American businessman, mm -hmm. that jumped in my head about the value of keeping stuff. Clearly, your your, your brother's stuff has been kept, uh, and that's why we have this exhibit. But just talk to me, either of you, both of you, about the value uh, of keeping stuff. Yeah, well, uh, hats off to you for doing such an amazing um, show. Um, you know, previous to this, we've worked with curators, mm -hmm. you know, at other museums and, and had no idea the magnitude yes. and the work involved <laughs> in curating a show. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the stuff, uh, you know, in comparison, it, all of that was saved by our dad. Mm -hmm. um, he was very nostalgic that way. And so he had not only Jean-Michel's first, you know, one of his report cards, he had ours, our immunization records. Um, so he made it very, very easy for mm. us um, to, you know, to, to do this. Um, it was also, you know, very easy in terms of the collection. We didn't have to reach out to different lenders mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's our family collection. So the, it was interesting kind of going through my dad's stuff because since his passing, we hadn't really gone to his home and kind of dug through all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And once we knew that we wanted to do this exhibition and really kind of went looking for stuff and we saw all the stuff that we didn't even know existed, mm -hmm. um, it really made a difference in rounding out Jean-Michel's story and, mm -hmm. and the story that we wanted to tell. Let me, yeah. let me move, Lassane, if I can, from keeping stuff um, to owning stuff. Because Janine tees up something very different. Yeah. Um, owning your stuff is very is is a whole other right. level, right? Uh, I'm thinking now of John H. Johnson, who um, the founder of Ebony and Jet Magazine, mm -hmm. dear friend of mine. I had the honor of, uh, along with uh, Bill Clinton and Jesse Jackson, the three of us did the eulogy at his at his funeral. Um, but I never went to Chicago without going to the Johnson Publishing Headquarters on Michigan Ave to see Mr. Johnson and have lunch with him. Uh, and and I remember vividly so many conversations about why he would never ever sell a single share of ebony and jet in his lifetime mm -hmm. he would not he was offered everything and he would not sell you think these days of all the things that start out as black that end up being sold i ain't hating on nobody mm -hmm. bt was once black it ain't mm -hmm. it's owned by viacom mm -hmm. uh, essence was once black it ain't it's owned by time warner i can mm -hmm. do this all day long I, again i ain't hating on anybody we all have the right to self-determination but there is a value in owning your stuff and so your sister says that part of what made this easier was that your father kept the stuff what made it even easier was that you owned the stuff that's right you had to go to lenders to get it mm -hmm. talk about that part i think there is a a value in honoring what you have mm -hmm. and i think that's part of it so you know we talked about the difference between hoarding mm -hmm. and holding on to things our dad held on to Jean-Michel's report, or all of our report cards, mm -hmm. uh, his Brooklyn Museum membership card. And I think there's a value to taking your time sometimes. Mm -hmm. We move so quickly mm -hmm. in this world. And there are people who make comments sometimes about licensing and why do we do licensing and that kind of thing. And the reason is so that we have the ability to hold on to Jean-Michel's things. Mm -hmm. That's why. Mm -hmm. And these things don't all happen for free. So I think that if you understand that for some things move really quickly and for other things have a little bit of patience mm -hmm. and just kind of wait. And 
if we as a family, our dad and mom, if they were to have run out and sold all of Jean-Michel's things, he'd still be this amazing artist, Mm -hmm. but we would not have agency in that. We wouldn't have an investment in it. So I think it's really important to maybe not hold on to every single thing, but pay attention to what you're discarding and hold on to the things that make sense for you to hold on to. This is uh, inside. I'm sorry, go ahead. I I wanted to add to that is um, it probably would have been very easy for my father, um, our parents, for us to step in and say, you know what, let's just sell off all of this artwork and, you know, live really great lives. Mm -hmm. The reality is the history and the Mm -hmm. legacy that not only did my, my dad create here, but our our grandparents and Jean Michelle, this is true legacy for us, and it is something that we want to pass down to our family members yeah. and keep it that way. Um, let me ask this right quick here, uh, Lasan. Uh, you mentioned this. I want to come to you and, and get your take on it right quick here. Um, and this is inside baseball, but I'm fascinated by stuff like this, and the audience will be too. Many of them because they're entrepreneurs listening to us every day, of course, in this city and across the country. You said baseball. Uh, I feel a little intimidated. No, 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 no. Don't be intimidated. Okay. <laughs> That's just a phrase. It's inside baseball. Okay. It's, it's really, let, me, let me make you more comfortable. Licensing. Okay. We're talking about licensing. Let's do it. You mentioned that. Now you feel better now? Yeah. Okay. I know you can answer this question. So you, you mentioned licensing a moment ago, and I'm fascinated by this because I mentioned Prince, Prince earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and Prince licensed one song, mm-hmm. one time. And he regretted it. He licensed the song Little Red Corvette. And I'll let you guess who he licensed it to. Chevrolet. Okay. And he hated it. He never did it again. He regretted it. I talked to Stevie uh, not long ago. And I, I, I was teasing Stevie. I said, Stevie, Stevie Wonder, of course. I said, Stevie, man, I'm hearing your music everywhere. And I think, you know, you didn't ask me. But I think your people are being a little too liberal with your catalog. I mean, this stuff means something to us. And I'm seeing it on this commercial and that commercial. That's Stevie's right. Mm-hmm. But... It's all about licensing. So right. talk to me very quickly about how the two of you are going about making decisions about licensing Basquiat's work. Well, we're not licensing his work. We're mm-hmm. licensing the right to use right. the imagery. Sure. And we're doing that because it is a way for people to who may not otherwise have the means or ability to purchase an artwork. Mm-hmm. It's It gives them the ability to purchase artwork on a Mm T-shirt, on an item, Mm -hmm. on a phone case, or any of the other things that we've licensed, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, licensed out. And so for us, it's a way of being able to hold on to the thing of value, which is his artwork, and still provide people access to him and to his, his creativity, while also, full disclosure, also providing us the ability to support the operation sure. of running the estate of Jean-Michel Basquiat, which is which costs money. Not inexpensive, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Not small <laughs> I, yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody yeah. mad at y'all? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love I love a smart. Some uh, people are. You know, I ain't. But I ain't one okay. of them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. As Jay Z said, I got nine nine problems. <laughs> that that, 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 that ain't one of them. Exactly. Uh, I love brilliant black women. What with these two when we come forward on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. Janine was saying something. <laughs> Janine Erevo was saying something a moment ago that I want the audience to hear. What were you saying about your brother and his uh, his, his 
you, you, you tell the story. Um, I, I was just speaking, you know, on in terms of his generosity and kind of his emotional connection to the gifts that he gave people. And so a lot of the artwork, gifts of artwork, yeah, gifts, sure. gifts in general, but okay. gifts in artwork, okay. um, the paintings and the drawings that he gave out to friends when they sold them, it, it hurt him deeply because for him, it was a gift that he gave and and didn't expect people to sell. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine why any artist would feel differently. Mm-hmm. If I give you something as a gift, correct, and then you cash in on it, yeah, that's that, that's that's an insult. Mm-hmm. It's an it insult. is, and he and he took it as one. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. All right, I could talk to you all about your family and and how to pronounce your names correctly and, <laughs> and all that good stuff for hours. Um, I'm watching my clock here. I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the exhibit, and and I. I Exhibits are hard to explain. Obviously, as you know, being curators now, you have to see it, right? You mm-hmm. can, you, I can tell you what's in it, but you, you know, uh, if somebody once told me, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. Right. <laughs> right. So I can tell you about it, but you got to go see it. Um, so I'll just pass the mic and let you tell me about King Pleasure. The King Pleasure exhibition is Shanine's and my and our family's response to all of the questions that we've gotten, you know, in the decades since Jean-Michel passed away in 1988, Mm -hmm. asking questions about who he was and what he was really about. And there are people who who were willing earlier than us to share their narrative and their perspective on either the relationships that they had with him or the experiences that they had. What the public had never heard was from his family. Our father was not comfortable you know, we're, we're very private people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all kind of new. And our father was very private and he wasn't comfortable speaking about his son because he lost his son. His mm-hmm. son passed away. Our mother's son passed away. Mm-hmm. And so it was very painful. One of the things that Janine and I decided to do was to ensure, and that's what King Pleasure does, we wanted to ensure that people had the opportunity to hear our narrative about our brother and to share who he was, the journey through his life, to share something about who he was as a child. So we have like video of uh, home videos of us playing in Prospect Park when Mm. we were little children. We have uh, the, you know, uh, childhood photographs. We wrote a catalog that accompanies the mm-hmm. exhibition where we talk about the history of our grandparents and our parents and Jean-Michel. We have drawings and notebooks from Jean-Michel when he was a teenager. He was the editor, uh, the illustrator, excuse me, for uh, the school uh, newspaper, City As School in New York. And so we have some of those issues. We also have a recreation of our uh, both dining kitchen and living room from our childhood home mm. where 90% of the items in those two rooms are the actual items that mm. we had, mm-hmm. uh, including like the coffee table, our father's ashtray, <laughs> um, the encyclopedia Britannica, the mm. entire thing. We're missing one letter G. I don't know why, yeah. but anyway, uh, <laughs> so it was really important for I, I think us. G stands for gone. Or Gerard. Yeah, or Gerard. Or yeah. Gerard. So I don't know. We're like, did he take it? Like, Gerard, Gerard took it with it. Yeah. He's like, listen. So it's just this, this it, it really is an act of love yeah. on our part. And it's an opportunity for us to both share Jean-Michel uh, and then put his work around it um, to share parts of Jean-Michel and who he was as a person. 
and also to put this moment in our family's history uh, in tie it up in a bow yeah. for our children so that they could see and understand more about Jean-Michel because out of the four, five uh, um, nieces and nephew, uh, my son is the only one who actually met him. Mm. He passed away yeah. after. Um, so this is as much yeah. for your family as it is for all the rest of Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Powerful frame. Yeah. Powerful frame. Our remaining moments with Basquiat's sisters when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Janine, tell me more about this exhibit. Uh, the <laughs> King ex Pleasure, yeah. The exhibition was created in a way where we wanted to make sure we were doing something different than what has been done previously. Uh, we did we ensured that we had no white walls and that it was an experience. Mm -hmm. And so you're walking through the space, really walking in Jean-Michel's world. And we have a studio, his studio, his um, studio, the, the last place that he lived um, on Great Jones and um, in there, in New York, have, in mm -hmm. New York, and um, there we have um, just a, a recreation of how it was to live, you know, day to day in mm -hmm. his world. Um, and you know, we're we're hoping that that uh, gets through to the audience as they're walking through and seeing that it really, really is about the work, but also about the life and the music and all of that that was going on. Yeah. That time. I just want to add one sure, really quick sure. thing. So in New York, we had a map of New York to really show where Jean-Michel frequented mm. while he was in New York. One of the things that we've done that's very special for Los Angeles is we created an L.A. map because Jean-Michel spent time here in L.A. and a mm -hmm. lot of people don't know that. And so he was here for portions of 82 and 83. And then he came back uh, 83, 84, and he had a couple of shows here. And so we recreated or we created an L.A. map as well. Very and then cool. we also have some photographs that he took during his time here wow. that are on display in his studio. Uh, I've not had a chance to see this yet, um, but I just literally put the date on my calendar when I'm going to see it. <laughs> um, it's called uh, King Pleasure. Uh, it's uh, everybody in the city is talking about it and those who have come to LA to see it uh, it's uh, showing now at the Grand LA here in LA uh, once again called King Pleasure and what a pleasure it has been for me uh, to have uh, Lassane Basquiat and Janine Aravo in our studio for this hour so uh, thank you both for coming in to see us it means a great thank deal you. to us to have you uh, here that's our program for today uh, I mentioned this third hour was going to be great and it was even uh, greater than I thought it would be so just Delighted that they came to see us. Uh, tomorrow is the best of Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Until tomorrow, time now to make room for the KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson, followed by Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Najee Roberts. Old money, new money, either way, we got you covered here on KBLA Talk 1580. Until tomorrow morning, thanks for tuning in. And as always, keep the faith. Santa Monica.